Welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast, a space for scientists to be honest and authentic on their stories. This is your host, Sarah Nyakeri. You're listening to the third episode of our new series where we are letting Kenyans give their views on the recent GMO ban being lifted after a cabinet meeting on October 3rd, which was chaired by the sitting Kenyan president, Dr. William Ruto, who happens to be a scientist with a PhD in ecology. This comes after a 10-year ban by a previous public health minister. If you want to find out how and why, listen to our previous episodes. After our previous episodes where we had a cancer researcher, Dr. Victor Oria, and a plant biotechnologist who has made a GMO before, Dr. Susan Moenga, of which all of them are Kenyans, I'm quite surprised with the interest when it comes to the spike of downloads I got from these two episodes. When I'm still doing the interviews, I found a lot of questions and worries around the regulation of the GMO. So this made me send some more questions to a previous Kenyan regulator for her comments, working at the NBA, National Biosafety Authority. I also reached out to a biosafety officer from National Biosafety Authority. But before we get to that, let's have some comments from typical Kenyans. On this episode, I'm bringing one of those typical Kenyans that read widely on topics not related to their daily work. When I asked her why she accepted to comment on the issue, here is what she had to say. The thing is, in my house, I have nine children. Wow. Why? Yes. <laughs> Where am I asking why? So anything that will feed them. Uh, uh, you need the food. <laughs> I'll need the food. Yeah. I, I, I don't need to worry that we don't have enough rain. Because when we don't have enough rain, then there's no food, then it becomes expensive and so forth. So as a parent, I'm not only looking out for me, I'm actually also looking out for my children, hoping that one day they'll perpetuate my gene. <laughs> yeah, survival. Wondering why she said that? Let's dive into the episode. And by the end of the episode, I hope to get questions and comments on what she will have to say by tagging this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Board. My name is Dr. Lucy Mudoni. I'm from Strathmore University. I'm a senior lecturer in mathematics and actuarial science. And I'm also the head of mathematical finance which is a section under the School of Mathematics or the Institute of Mathematical Sciences in Strathmore. What, what is GMO? First, GMO stands for Genetically Modified Organisms. And uh, these particular organisms are those ones that we have their genes altered using genetic engineering methods. Yeah? So what, what happens, like now, for instance, if you're looking at it from a research perspective or from a lab perspective, is that we have different key steps. Yeah? Mm. So the steps in genetic engineering, engineering is that first we look at a, a particular, it could be an animal, it could be a plant, mm. uh, it could be a living thing. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So what we do is that we, we first identify a trait of interest. Mm -hmm. And then once you get that particular trait, you isolate it now from the DNA. And then you, you, you isolate the trait and then you insert that trait into a desired organism. 
So, so first you've identified a treat. Like now, let me give an example. Uh, let's say it was it was uh, possible to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's say I, I look at you and I think, ah, oh, she she has very 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 beautiful teeth, mm-hmm. and we'd like the rest of the humanity to have teeth like hers. Mm-hmm. So the trait that we would have identified in you, the desirable trait is your teeth. Mm-hmm. And then now we decide we extract those teeth, like we, we look at it, we study it, we create the same dentures and we repli- we take them and then replicate them and mm-hmm. put them in another human being. Mm-hmm. And after we've put them in another human being, this, this is from a very simplistic uh, position, yeah? When we put it in another human being, then we propagate or breed that other human being to ensure that every other child they ever give birth to or they ever produce will have your teeth. Now, when it comes to plants, uh, like now, let me look at uh, something like when we want to look at uh, insect uh, trying to create resistance in insect, sorry, resistance or what we call insect resistance in crops, yeah? Uh, I will actually start with, um, I believe you've heard on the streets, you've heard of what we call BT maze. That, that's what many people, either in the forum, in the TV, mm-hmm. many, everyone is talking, talking about BC maze. Mm-hmm. But uh, so what, what happens is that now the, the background is that we, we have, uh, when it comes to crop production farmers, mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges they face is pests. And these pests would be caterpillars. And uh, so what they will do, they'll stalk the boars. The boars, like, the, they would eat the stalks, they eat the leaves. They, they do all these things. And, like, when you look at the gra- uh, the beetle, they grab, the beetle grabs that eat the roots. So we have different kinds of pests or different kinds of animals that target different parts of a, of a plant. So now, uh, when we look at... Um, when we look at now, for, uh, what happens now in 1996... Uh, there, there was uh, what what happens is that some scientists rea- realized that there was some some caterpillars or some some some, um, some animals. Let me let me call them actually some t- caterpillars. Mm. So what they realized is that some caterpillars would die after consuming a particular product, a particular crop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when what they did is that they were like ah. And uh, and this crop, of course, it is a plant. So they thought they they took that crop, they checked it, and then uh, this this crop had a bacteria from the soil, which is called Bacillus eugenengiri. The, the other name in English is really tough. So, <laughs> so but, <laughs> Bacillus thuringiae. I I am not even going to try to say it. So that's where the BT came from. So this plant was uh. So what we we see, the the soil has that particular. It has the BT bacteria. Yeah. So this when what they do now they decide ah this bacteria when it is when they it is eaten by caterpillars the caterpillars die. So they took that plant. Uh, they were able to extract the BT. So, so that is not the desired trait here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And that the desired trait was whatever that was toxic to the caterpillars. Mm-hmm. And then now after they removed it, then they were able to extract the desired DNA out of the bacteria. Mm-hmm. And then they put that bacteria 
in the plant, so what we call is the gene insertion mm -hmm. into the corn. Mm -hmm. And then after they have put the gene into the corn, mm -hmm. it, it, uh, now with, as it grows, that gene will spread ar around the, the plant. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when the caterpillars would, would come and try to eat into the stalk of the corn, they would die. Now, uh, that is one of the things. So you can see that it is another plant that was killing these items and the desirable trait is this particular plant is, the, the plants are avoid, the, uh, the, the pests are avoiding them. Mm -hmm. So the desired the, the desire trait is what is making them not eaten by the caterpillars. So that is the desired trait. Now, when it comes now to, uh, even in other species, like now, for instance, we when we look at the, the rice, the, the golden rice we've, we've heard about, is that again, we see that a particular plant, ex, uh, like now, for instance, carrot has a, a lot of vitamin A. Mm -hmm. And um, so what was felt is that in, in places where they, they eat a lot of rice, because rice is very low on vitamin A, and it is as a staple, then the kids used to suffer from malnutrition. So what they did is that they inserted the gene that creates vitamin A into the rice mm -hmm. so that the rice grows and provides. Now, the rice that is eaten thereafter mm. has vitamin A. So that, that is about now the GMO. We, we find a, a, a desirable trait in a plant. Mm. We extract that trait. Mm. We, put it, we put its DNA. We can even use a DNA gun. We put its DNA and ensure that it is absorbed by another plant. And then now breed the, the plant now further. And so that it's all its production, like everything else that it produces in future, has the trait that we, we have put in it. So that is actually the nuance of rather the, 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 the gist of GMOs. We are genetically. Considering mm -hmm. you're a mathematician, it's so... Weird to hear you explain all this. <laughs> Biology, I love reading. Yeah. I love reading. I, I in a simple I'm term, in a simple mm -hmm. way. That's the most I think something that stands out. You love reading, you're saying? Yes, I love reading. Like mm. I read medical books, I read physics books, I read everything. I love reading. Mm. I I think that's what makes me a scientist. Mm. Yeah, when you're open to new information from other fields and mathematics, really, mm -hmm. we, we say that maths is the king, mm -hmm. but if you look at it from a chess perspective, mm -hmm. maths is the queen, mm -hmm. and then all the other sciences are there to serve us <laughs> the oh, pawns. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean to you for the GMO ban to be lifted in Kenya? Oh, I'm so excited! Mm -hmm. I'm very, very excited because. Uh, from where let you see let, let's start before we even start the the whole conversation of GMO, the, the first question would be why why how did even come across, how did it come about you know because yeah. we, we have to understand that its genesis and so forth when we look at the 1840s like now i'm looking at it from the irish history right. the 1840s were a bleak time in irish history like now you can imagine one in every six people dying of starvation or disease and uh, that particular period we had a blight mm -hmm. and this blight i'm not going to even say the the scientific name i'll just call it the late blight yeah okay. late blight it is b-l-i-g-h-t mm -hmm. 
and it is a fungus. This blight came across, it came about in the 1840s. It is a fungus and it attacked the potato plantations and all the potatoes became inedible. So what used to do, what the fungus did is that it would spread, uh, the, the, the spores would spread easily in the wind and quickly infect neighboring plants. So the thing is that uh, the, what makes it such um, a remarkable time is that it became so disastrous because potatoes were the only items rather hugely relied upon by the Irish people for food, especially the rural poor. So what happened is that it was so bad, people starved and very many people died. To When you look at the statistics, is that uh, you imagine within a decade, you find that uh, around 30 or 40 or 50 percent of a particular village has been wiped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens is that now the, the blight continued uh, being a problem in, in Ireland. But in, in the 1850s, they tried to address it, mm-hmm. but it did not disappear. More than 160 years later, Ireland still um, still. Uh, let me say they still feel feel the brunt of that particular blight, and it's still there in, in today's uh, in today's island. But the good thing is that what they do is that the farmers spray a lot. Um, they spray a lot of fungi. Uh, what, what do you call it? Yeah, fungicides every week, mm-hmm. indefinitely to ensure that they deal with it. But the question is, um, do do we really want to be in a, a position where our food is continuously sprayed with? Mm-hmm either bactericides or pesticides or fungicides or such. Yeah. So now what happened now in 2015, we, we call it a breakthrough. Uh, in 2015, a breakthrough came over as a, as a, as a new variety of GMO potato. Mm-hmm. And this particular potato was able to resist the blight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now from it then, we could see that uh, it was able to resist the blight. And because of the resistance gene, it they started studying it like what 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 is so good with this kind of potato how is it able to resist this particular fungi which is very is really bad so therefore the scientists started looking at it and studying its genes and therefore they were able to extract the desirable treat that made it unattractive to the fungi and now the rest of it is history because now from then on therefore it 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 brought a huge debate about um Especially in, I'm speaking about Ireland because Ireland right now has banned, has banned all GMOs. And the reason why I'm using it as an example is that, given that it's a country that suffered so much from something that can be addressed by accepting or allowing GMO products, mm. at this and uh, so if it is something that can be addressed by introducing or lifting a ban on the GMO products, one, second, mm. by protecting also its citizens from having to use weekly uh, fungicides on their on their potatoes indefinitely yeah. for forever you know yeah. you you find that 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 kind of a discussion is actually not just it's not just time for Kenya i think it's time for other countries that have banned gmo to have that discussion now uh, so when we look at and now i just used ireland as an example and this is when we look at uh, first the major thing is that most organ, organ organisms, mm-hmm. human beings, animals, plants, one of the biggest challenge we face is survival. Mm-hmm. Actually, that is our core mandate to survive. 
and uh, anything that um, anything that threatens our survival we address it that's why we study history that's why we study languages so that we can be able to understand how the people before us were communicating and how they were able to talk about danger and procreation that's why we study art and music and if everything that we study everything that we learn today is pegged on our survival so for for GMO to come across is that people felt threatened and it came across through lack of food and this food was being it the the people were lacking food either because of harsh climatic condition look at what is happening in meru today yeah yeah uh, the mira farms are dry yeah uh, so yeah so we find harsh climatic conditions we we find uh, insects remember that time we had these insects <laughs> where they are agricultural cs was telling us we should hunt them well, what was that and it <laughs> and at that time it's you know this this dudus you know they came and they terrorized most of african countries mm. so it is either the insects or the climate or even the microbes so it could be anything so first our fundamental role rather our fundament what we, achieve, we what we look for as human beings is survival we want to yes. perpetuate our lives we want to increase our our ex- life expectancy and so forth so but increasingly mm. one way to survive is to eat and yeah. uh, we find that most of us find our food from the ground f- from plants mm. even the animals that we eat have to get food from the ground and so when the plantations when the plants are threatened their survival is threatened then the animals lives are threatened the human beings lives are threatened so therefore we find we scientists had to find ways to address this particular space or to address this particular thing like how do we ensure that insects do not make us go through droughts and uh, famines how do we ensure that uh, the climate no matter how hard it is that we can have we can actually have a yield at the end of this particular season so when we talk about when i heard that the government of kenya is lifting the gmo ban i was very excited and what excites me is by what maybe for, to shed some light why i would be excited is actually maybe perhaps by taking you through the benefits mm-hmm. of gmo and the first one is actually looking at the quality of seed mm-hmm. and uh Yes there has been debate that uh, the seeds are they are not um, what they are they are, they are they are monopolized or we they are we we access them through limited number of companies worldwide mm-hmm. so there is a fear that we will not be able to access them yeah but uh, as some of my, my fellow scientists would have pointed out and some of Kenyans have pointed out is that how much how many things do we produce as Kenya you know yeah uh most, most of the things we actually buy so what will be so novel <laughs> about buying seeds mm. from another camp from another com- company or country which is outside Kenya mm. you know and uh when you look at the quality of the seeds uh this these particular seeds that uh, GMO uh produces they are usually tolerant to drought so whatever is happening in most of the parts of the country in particular meru mm. it's not something we would be experiencing if we had better quality seeds mm. and then some of them the seeds are also to, uh, they, they are they, they are tolerant from pests mm-hmm. like now the 
GM potatoes I mentioned when I was talking about the Irish case, yeah? Yeah. the one that were generated, they were they were discovered in 2015. Mm-hmm. And then the second bit is the ins, uh, insect resistant crops, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that that is in the, for me that one is very key because when you're talking about insect insect resistant crops, is what is the impact of it, you know? Yeah. And one is that the crops don't get destroyed by the caterpillars or the other insects. Mm-hmm. And then two, we use less insecticides. Yeah? Insecticides. Insecticides. Yeah. Insecticides. Or even pesticides, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even studies have been done that have shown indisputable decrease mm-hmm. in insecticides used when BT or similar crops are planted. We use less. Mm-hmm. So I can arguably say that we actually eat fresher food. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third one is that uh, there is also under GMO, we've seen this technology where uh, you can spray a whole land, mm-hmm. but now some of the crops targeting the weeds only and the crops themselves are not, are not uh, destroyed. That is, again, what we do is that uh, the, the plants are... Some so what the the whatever they the spray they they use on the on the plants mm. is able to target only the weed because the plants have been, uh, they, they've been modified they've been made stronger, mm. and therefore you 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 are more efficient. Mm. And someone asked uh, that there are some question, concerns that have been raised. Uh, one is that if this particular, if these plants that when the the caterpillars are eating they die. Mm-hmm. If they are killing the caterpillars, then what will they do to us as human beings? Mm-hmm. But uh, the the thing is, how many things do animals eat and we don't, or do we eat and other people or other animals don't eat? For example, yeah, uh, when you give a dog chocolate, it dies. For real, for real. Yet we enjoy chocolate. Yeah. Does that mean because it kills a dog, it's bad for us? No, yeah. And uh, also, when when you look at uh, apart from that, we we have even seen some coffee, coffee kills some insects, mm-hmm. and yet we consume it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it kills the caterpillars does not mean it is bad for us. Yeah, you know, yeah. And then now, where uh, the other aspect I would look at it from also is uh, the benefit is about malnutrition, addressing of malnutrition, mm-hmm. and uh, so we we look at um, one of them is I would talk about the ca- the case old the old case of vitamin A deficiency, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's when we are talking about the golden rice, mm-hmm. and uh, this particular rice produces beta carotene. Yeah? which yeah. is a precursor of vitamin A mm-hmm. found in carrots. Mm-hmm. And what we have seen is that a bowl, uh, just one cup of golden rice per day per yeah. person can prevent vitamin A deficiency in a population. Wow. I know, I know. You know, and then um, when, when we even look at now climate change, for example, mm-hmm. we also see that gene-edited crops have the potential to cut climate emissions in agriculture. Mm-hmm. And reduce harmful chemicals in the environment if they are regulated properly. Mm-hmm. You know? So again, when you look at I, I can't stop attacking Ireland. <laughs> when you look at Ireland trying to push or to prohibit cultivation of GMOs, mm-hmm. is at odds with its ambitions for climate action. Yeah. 
because when you think about um, the the fact that they have less climate emissions, it it's able to cut climate emissions in agriculture, reduce harmful chemicals. It's reducing use of pesticides and uh, you you know. So what what is this we are talking about? You know? And uh, yes, and so, some of the we we have of course had a lot of uh, issues that have been raised about shemos. And uh, so for me, the reason for me, I'm looking at it also from an excitement part, part of it, because as a scientist, I believe that um, challenges create more opportunities. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So one of the things is that we have heard is that, of course, there are environmental concerns. Mm-hmm. Like now, when we look at the BT crops, for example, the BT is the, the, the complicated uh, name that I was unable to mention before. Yeah. But someone can Google them and they will find their, their, their full name. Uh, what happens is that studies have shown that um, there's this particular, um, what we call, uh, what we call glyphosate. Yeah, it's glyphosate, yeah. Glyphosate-based herbicides called Round, Roundup. And it was being produced by Monsanto. And... Um, which now has been bought by Bayer. And what we see is that what it has led to more, to, to farmers rather, yeah. It has led to farmers to use 28% more herbicide. Because yeah? mm-hmm. you remember the, the spare I was telling you that targets the weeds only and yeah. leaves the crops, yeah. yeah. So since they, they came up with Roundup, we have seen more and more farmers using, farmers are using more and more herbicides mm. than nanodoctors. So what what happens is that we are seeing that the the use of those the glyphosate use has risen almost fifteen folds since Roundup came about, and this is not really good for environment and even the people mm-hmm. because it leaks into the soil and the surrounding water is affected and wild plants of course which are finally eaten by animals yeah and therefore it can hurt the food chain yeah so the question so that this kind of a challenge is that okay. We have something that gets rid of the weed, but it is harmful to the soil and it is is being overused. So, what are the opportunities therein? What can we do? Yeah, yeah? and uh, the 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 second concern people raised, or rather have been raised, or, or the world over is about the carcinogen, carcinogenic properties of GMOs. Like there, there is the whole like even who the World Health Organization declared. That Roundup, the one that we were about up there, the glyphosate-based herbicide, mm. uh, has 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 carcinogenic properties, yeah. And uh, but they have not it. It is not published in a scientific paper. They just declared it as thus. And if there is there is very little, um, there is very little facts to support that. But now what makes it interesting is that uh, other research people have pointed out that the herbicide w- would have have a, an effect on the mitochondria and brain functions or, uh, in animal uh, because they are eating this particular, you know, once they seep into the ground, they are eaten by the animals, so it affects the brain of the animals. But now the, the bad thing or the good thing is that the research is still being carried out, so there is no... These are sim- a simple hypothesis, yeah. 
then as scientists we ask ourselves then what are the opportunities there and what how can we con- how can we address this do we need to do more research do we need you know so it creates other areas of growth and other potential areas of study if you ask me and then uh, and the other thing is that the monsanto uh, have, is embroiled in lawsuits and uh, unfortunately a jury in california recently awarded a couple 2 billion dollars uh and uh, in as much as what now for for me to address it is that yes the 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 award of the money and the verdict of the jury should be taken should not be taken as a scientific verdict or scientific evidence because according to the court's paperwork it was like the verdict was based on the monsanto the company which are manipulating its own research and they colluded with regulators and then they intimidated scientists to keep uh, secret any risks that were associated with the glyphosate it's not that at the, it's not that the research showed it is carcinogenic it is now the unethical behavior around which the company work, acted and that's why they were fined so again uh people who are who are making noise or they are against the mood like oh it causes cancer where is the evidence oh some guys were paid okay but what was the basis of that payment based based on the court paper the court was not convinced that the scientists themselves were not even convinced that uh, it were the it were the the particular herbicides were causing uh, cancer but the fact that the conversion had started then it created a lot of controversy around gmos and those those are the controversies now we need to to be a bit careful when we are we are dealing with it now i'm assuming that you are pro gmo right i am pro gmo yeah. oh completely <laughs> <laughs> so what message do you have to an anti gmo uh what i can say is that i i think as if i was to to say maybe as a conclusion to say gmos are harmful is like saying the internet is harmful mm. yes it can be used in harmful ways yeah that is the internet mm. but we all know that it has the potential to do wonderful things for millions of people it has given us jobs and so forth it has made us connect with each other mm. and also made the poor people access information which previously they wouldn't Yeah. So the same way we we would treat uh something like internet with all its benefit and of course potential not potential even we've seen cyberbullying we've seen uh, uh content very negative content being spread in at lightning speed and so forth. So it is the same thing we would look at GMOs like yeah. So to to oppose GMOs I think is unequivocally without giving it a, without giving them a chance without looking at the, what good they can do uh is simplistic and misguided and uh what i look at the how i look at the world and even human beings is that everything and everyone is like a moon you know uh the the, the size and the type of the moon is what differs it could be a crescent it could be a half moon it could be gibbous it could be a full moon mm-hmm. when it has a bright side the other side is in darkness mm. yeah so it is up to us to try to see how we can reduce the darkness because nothing is perfect are we eating gmo 
I don't even know what uh, it had been burned, so I'm suspecting it haven't. Mm. But if I was served a, fo- a, a, a plate of food mm. and I was told it is GMO, I would eat it. And the good thing is that um, around labeling, it was also another concern. Kenyans were like, oh, suppose I don't want to eat GMO, will I be forced? No. And when we are looking at the national biosafety authority they have they have been working on different paperwork and uh, this conversion started some time ago in Kenya until now it was banned in 2012 mm. and uh, when you look at around the now national biosafety authority the regulations around uh, handling the gmos products one of them is very key is labeling that all gmo products should be clearly labeled mm. so Yes, I will definitely go into a supermarket and buy GMO products and eat them. Because, let me ask you, you don't think that the things we eat today, are, they are not, like, they are 100% okay. Even the water we drink is treated at the Nairobi Water Company. We do not know what they put in. Mm. We are just told it's chlorine and so forth. The air itself, we, we breathe in so many toxins. What is so wrong with eating a particular product that is made to simply be drought resistant? Maybe also as a take home or as as a country is that um, one of the things we are looking at is actually extending our life expectancy. Mm-hmm. And what better way to learn if not by looking at your neighbor, what they're doing. You know, they say that the the bright ones they learn from their mistakes, but the wise ones learn from others' mistakes. Mm. And I wouldn't look at it now from a mistake perspective. We can also learn from other people's successes. Mm. And looking at Japan, for example, Japan has the highest life expectancy in the world, and they have allowed GMO in their country. So if it was that bad, don't you think we should be seeing Japanese dropping down dying with cancer and all sorts of diseases that are being used as a propaganda tool against GMOs. How long have they used it? Someone might be asking. That's a good question. I What I know is that they use, the uh, Japan has not banned GMO, but let me, let me actually uh, find that information for you. That one, I, I don't have an answer. So they started importing GM crops in 1996. I'm just Google, oh, sorry. Oh, yes. Ah, know. imagine. So, so, that, so actually, someone who's, there's, there's someone who's been eating GMO. Since they were born in 96 and they are currently 20, 26 years old. Yeah. What do you think? Let me know what you think on any social media platform at TV Scientist Pod. And tune into the following episodes to hear voices from other typical Kenyans, farmers, and GMO regulators that I promised you about. To support or learn more, go to thevulnerablescientist.com. Until next time, bye-bye.